So I'm very happy to be here with uh, Charles Eisenstein, whom I uh, actually met in Portugal uh, some years ago now. And um, yeah, I wanted to speak with Charles, not only because he's a, you know, he's kind of a very uh, original um, thinker and reflector on the sort of cultural uh, crises and many dimensions of what's going on in our time. But he, uh, he also did some, uh, a course or some kind of um, group uh, specifically to look into um, a way forward for men. So very happy to be talking to you, Charles. Yeah, happy to be here, Peter. And um, yeah, maybe a good way to start would be, so the documentary we're creating is called A New Man's Liberation. And as I've been doing some research, you know, and finding possible other men and men's groups initiatives to connect with. I'm actually finding there's a lot going on, actually. There's a lot more going on, I think, in terms of men's development and liberation and men discovering some kind of brotherhood together. More going on than I've than ever, I think. And um, I think it's reflecting a yearning in so many men to recover, recover or or um, rediscover what a sacred masculine expression could be, because of course, as I'm sure you're aware, we're living in a, a postmodern, largely the postmodern culture is very um, anti-masculinity, you know, and um, there's a lot of messaging about toxic masculinity and all the rest of it. And we're living in a time with all, all these fracturing kind of identity politics and God knows how many genders they're supposed to be right now. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, obviously, while women have had and still have their challenges, and obviously feminine was, feminism was a great leap forward, my conviction is that there's a men's liberation, a cultural men's liberation that needs to happen, particularly in Western culture, that hasn't happened yet. There's, there's a cultural, some kind of, something conversation that needs to happen so that's really the impetus behind my uh my wanting to do these interviews and also to create this documentary so i'd i'd just like to get your hit to start off on the state of mankind in our time and what you think the challenges are and broadly what direction do you think men need to go in yeah well yeah thank you peter so on, on a very broad level, um, what you talked about, the this men's liberation movement, I think liberation actually is um, a good way to think about it. Liberating ourselves first from the old forms and expressions of masculinity mm -hmm. that either are no longer appropriate or never were right or that we've kind of grown out of. Mm -hmm that were based on a cultural context that is in a process of rapid change right now. And then secondly, um, you know, as, as the uh, obsolescence of traditional like macho masculinity where a real man is someone who never cried or never even felt much emotion at all, uh, and who was dominating, uh, like all of that stuff, as as we recognized that, no, this is not who we want to be as men. Mm. 
the the first impulse that came like you know, as a cultural wave was to rediscover our feminine side, mm. thinking that well, if that's what masculinity is, then it needs to be tempered. It needs to be balanced. Uh, we 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 will evolve by uh, developing our feminine side, mm-hmm. but that leaves out uh, a, a, another question, which is, what is like if you take for granted what masculinity has been been or has become in modern culture, then there's really no alternative but to repudiate it. Right. Because of all the damage that it's done, all the harm that it's done. But we could also ask, okay, what is, is there an underlying true masculinity or sacred masculinity that has been distorted through the lens of our culture into something that we no longer want? Mm. Uh, and rather than repudiate masculinity altogether, we could ask, what is the masculine that wants to express itself right now? And who do we want to become, not only as human beings, but as men? Mm. And that was another form of the repudiation of masculinity, which is to say, well, gender, binary, all that kind of stuff. That's Mm. doesn't really matter. (laughs) That's obsolete thinking. You know, that's not enlightened. You know, we're moving post-binary, and and to see that as as what progress is. Uh, I mean, that would be a pretty deep uh, renunciation of the primal polarity of the universe. Right. (laughs) You know, electron and proton, yin and yang. Um, Do we really want to go there? Yeah. And would would it be a renunciation or a denial? Right. Of something that's just in the structure of creation, that polarity. Right. And so that that denial or repudiation is actually another form of the conquest of nature mm-hmm. and the imposition of a human conceptual and manufactured world onto nature, onto the body, onto the psyche mm-hmm. to, to become, you know, we're gonna we're gonna uh, narrate how reality shall be right and i think we are reaching the limits um, of that relationship to the world which is part of the relationship to the feminine that masculinity has had you mm-hmm. know like we're the boss right um which is really in a kind of an inversion of what i would say is the sacred dimension of masculinity in relationship to the feminine mm. where you, where it's in a way, the woman, the feminine is the boss in that the feminine is, feminine is, the, is the connection to what serves life. Right. I mean, on a very basic level, it's, you know, if, you're, if you have a family, like um, your masculine abilities and um, attention is very much oriented on what serves my family mm-hmm. you, know, you don't care about yourself as mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. you are here for the the women and children so so this it, it, it's kind of innate um 
that that like that is the boss that is what we are serving and you know when so when various masculine qualities which you know here's the mandatory caveat can exist in women and men both and come to the four different stages of life yada 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 okay when these masculine qualities are detached from what serves life the qualities of goal-oriented thinking linear thinking abstraction let's mm. get this done you know push past the barriers um bring order to the world etc cetera, etc cetera. like all these like masculine things when they're detached from life and what serves yeah. life then they take on all kinds of uh distorted extreme and harmful forms mm -hmm. embodied in the hedge fund the hedge fund manager mm -hmm. you know who's in this realm of abstraction and building up the numbers and all and so forth totally unmoored from matter right the mother materiality the feminine mm -hmm. and it's not that the abilities that hedge fund managers and engineers and people like that um, are using are wrong or bad. It's just that they need to be connected to the feminine mm -hmm. and, and tied back into what they're actually here to serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, I, that's great. And as you're talking, um, I, I just came to mind the, uh, the, the way of languaging this from the, from the East, from the Hindu tradition, you know, Shiva Shakti. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, in that tradition, that way of understanding, Shakti is everything that is, is matter, is energy, is the flow of life. And, and Shiva is the, you know, the empty ground or the, the pure consciousness in which she appears. And, um, and of course, in terms of a more spiritual context and understanding, then the you could say the role of Shiva would be to embrace and love Shakti, uh, you know, as a reflection of his own self in form. And um, so I think yeah, it's, a, it's a cool way you put it that the this fundamental distortion and schism in our culture, and maybe the roots of it go way back. I was thinking of, as far as we know, further back before patriarchy, it was goddess-based spirituality. You know, the, the, the female form, the mother was, was worshipped as the source of life, of creation. And then, uh, yeah, as you said, well, there's been this whole movement over many thousands of years now of, of this uh, culture of domination, of control. So I'm curious, what's your sense in terms of that direction? And also, particularly then any of the connections or work you've done with men? Because you obviously felt this was also a need, um, you know, in terms of this evolutionary advance, you know, into whatever wants to happen, come into being next. You cannot, if you feel like you are not fully a man right now, mm. not in the full expression of your masculinity, mm -hmm. then achieving that it's not actually something that that you can achieve right exactly because that would own. be that would be the uh, the old dominator kind of paradigm of going it's about. not something that it's not something that that you can achieve through an act of will by mm -hmm. trying mm -hmm. there are certain 
inputs that are required for somebody to mature into a man. And really a lot of what I'm talking about here, um, about masculinity, about the mature masculinity, about being a man, is not in contrast to being a woman right. or femininity. Really the bigger crisis right now, I mean, large as that relationship is mm -hmm. and important as, there, as, as it is to heal that relationship between the masculine and the feminine, maybe even more important is simply the contrast between boy and man. Yeah, exactly. And the, the psychic food and the experiential food that we need in order to become men as, as, as separate from boys, uh -huh. as distinct from boys, is really um, not easily available no. in this culture, which is why many of us will have had the experience of being 18, 25, 35 even, with this sneaking suspicion that I'm not a man. Mm. I, my body is a man's body, have a man's job or whatever, but I feel like a boy mm. playing grown up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is because for one thing, um, we lack models of real mature manhood in its full expression. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to make this too black and white a case, all right? Like, but, but, you know, there are many men who beautifully express certain aspects of masculinity, mm -hmm. but culturally they've, we've been truncated in many ways. Yeah. So the, se the second thing that we need besides models is we need uh, various initiations. And I'm not talking necessarily about, you know, indigenous initiation ceremonies, mm -hmm. coming of age ceremonies. Uh, those are very much to mark the completion of an initiation. Mm -hmm. The initiation itself is, is like a real initiation requires that you come face to face with your limitations mm -hmm. and be put in a situation where in a sense you're on your own. You can't get help from mommy and daddy. You have to become yourself. Right. This, this situation is studiously avoided in modern education, mm. where the last where where it's all about training people to <clears throat> seek answers and help from authority. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, uh, each generation more than the last of uh, delicate snowflakes who really. Um, haven't received the initiation into adulthood, into independency. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so yeah, like in this, in this context, if you sense a unfulfilled blossoming of yourself as, and I'm speaking to men here, but, but similar things apply to women. Mm. Um, if you feel in the, in yourself an um, unfulfilled blossoming of who you are mm. as a man, mm. then first don't blame yourself and beat up on yourself for it. And second, don't think that this is something you can achieve by trying harder. Right. What's important is your recognition of your readiness mm. to receive this initiation. 
mm. which may be administered by life itself, mm -hmm. not consciously admitted, administered by any human being, but the uninitiated man will naturally seek out situations that force him to rely on his resources mm. and force him to grow up. Mm. Uh, and at the same time, will be afraid of those situations. But mm. maybe something unconscious will push you to take risks, to seek yeah. out adventure, to, yeah. to, to travel. Maybe it might be to travel, uh, to, to stand outside your safety zone, outside of dependency mm. on somebody else. Mm. I, I was recently heard a story about um, some like, you know, wilderness skills teacher or something like that, you know, who's, who's um, so all these young, young, like all these boys go to him, you know, and go to these programs, you know, and they're doing something, maybe they're chopping firewood or something like that. And one of them, the axe head falls off the axe handle. Mm. So what does the kid do? Of course, he goes straight to teacher. Hey, you know, that the head fell off the handle with yeah. the expectation that here's a problem, an unknown. So my first instinct is to go to daddy. Right. And that's fine if you're two, okay? But what this teacher said is not my problem. Yeah, we're in the wilderness here. What are you gonna do now? Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? Why do you think it's my problem? Right. You know, it's not like I couldn't do anything about it, but why is this my problem? Yeah. And he was pointing to this reflex that a lot of us have you know, when we when we are so um, conditioned and and dependent on, I mean, this is what what makes society so susceptible to totalitarian and fascistic manipulation. Mm. Like when we're conditioned to look to authority to solve our problems, exactly. then all that has to happen is a problem is presented to us, and we all of a sudden look to authority right. to tell us what to do. Mm. So this is this, this um, recovery of masculinity. And really I'm talking also, really just also about adulthood. Mm -hmm. uh, this is essential to having like a truly democratic and free society. Yeah. If we don't address, if we don't heal on this level, yeah. then no political, tweak is going to reverse the course of totalitarianism right i'm totally with you charles yeah no it struck me as you're speaking that's some um, well that's one side of the initiation uh challenge is is letting go of the dependency of childhood which i agree even many very intelligent people who identify as being very independent progressive thinkers it astonishes me actually how you know how easily they'll just go along with what they're being fed by the media or the state you know they don't realize they're still they're still looking they might not believe in a god a big parent out there anymore but still there's this projection of some kind of great parent onto the the machine of the state but then i think on the other side is um in terms of the let's say the initiation ceremony in this whatever this new context is it has to do with adolescence because on the other hand so many men and perhaps more so you know educated intelligent men 
are in this posture of reaction, either reaction to authority, you know, um, but also one of the ways I think it expresses itself, particularly with men, is this lone wolf syndrome. You know, it's like, well, even even spiritually, even even men who are, who have some spiritual sensibility, and you know, they're not just you know um, out for success and making it. You know, there's often this sense of, well, I'm going to work on myself as, you know, and this, uh, this illusion, as you were speaking to earlier, that I, I can do it. I can do it on my, on my own, you know. And um, <clears throat> in, my, in my work with this, the AOP, the Awaken Life Men's Collective, it's interesting. I could, one way to describe this men's collective and the transformation that men go through is, is a growing up from childhood and adolescence. And with yeah. some men, with some men, it's more the the childhood, you know, like here in Portugal, because it's a very traditional culture. A lot of the men get pampered by their mothers, you know, and they live at home until they marry, you know. And then, you know, of course, the wife or the girlfriend becomes take the mother, you know. So there's quite a lot of that uh, here in the in Portugal, but you know, obviously there's a lot of maturity often in men in general in that regard also in terms of codependency in their sexual relationships that goes for women as well of course but then i i, I find um maybe more particularly with the northern european you know north american men it's more this challenge of uh letting go of the lone wolf you know and this false sense of independence and actually i think the greatest discovery um that I experience for all the men that come into this experiment is when they find when they really discover the the trust to actually be vulnerable and actually to open up to other men, you know, um, as opposed to other women, because I agree with what you said earlier. I think part of the the distortion of the whole depolarized postmodern culture is like, well, men and women need to work it out together, you know, but I don't think that's the way it works. I think there is something to these more traditional uh, uh, insights or understandings that, you know, you have the men's tent, you're the women's tent, you know, the, the men's culture, the women's culture, and men need other men you know, and deep, you know, some kind of deeper relationship with other men beyond, you know, having a beer and watching the football uh, to, to, through which to expose themselves and, um, yeah, and open themselves up. And so I think that, yeah, and of course, for, for, those, for many men, the whole idea of vulnerability or admitting that you need help, for example, putting your, your soul in the hands of another man or group of men would be defined as weakness, you know, in terms of the, the sort of more tradition, you know, the more the male mindset. Well, I'm, I'm a man, so I'm supposed to know who I am and where I'm going and how to fix myself. But I just see over and over again when men really let go of that and, and allow themselves to maybe crumble, fall apart, what they discover is not only this vulnerability and love and connection, but also this strength, you know, that there's actually strength there and courage, which I think is one, one aspect of this sacred masculine that's longing to be born. 
but it's it's like we have to shed the skin of these childish and adolescent um maladaptions you know and and because uh, as you were saying only when we've really observed understood and transcended our childish and adolescent uh, patterning only then can we stand in that true independence you know where we're not leaning on a big daddy or a big money and we're also not in reaction to a big daddy big mummy and um you could say then there's that potential for a for men to discover real communion while inhabiting a really authentic uh, autonomy you know and 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 leadership you know because i think um i don't also there's as i get older and the more i do this work i don't agree with this whole idea that's very common in progressive culture that we just need more women in positions of power you know and that's the way the world's going to change for the better <laughs> you know and i i think we need more of that for sure but but i think there's something about men really inhabiting that positive pole of um not being just being equals you see it's not just about us being equals it's about not not uh, not defining our polarity in relationship to the other pole you know and then at least in our work because there's also a women's collective involved with the awaken life project you know the women are dealing with their stuff the men are dealing with their stuff you know and then it's amazing to see the, the the more mature people become in that process when men and women come together there's a whole new ground that's miraculously free from all that stuff all that war of the sexes you know that is usually uh, going on on some level mm -hmm. i could comment a lot on that but um yeah well wondering by the way what, what i'm curious if you resonate with that um yeah in most ways yes um it's true that many cultures the 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 that men in many cultures spend spent still in some spend most of their time with other men and mm. women spend most of the time with other women and we miss that a lot in this culture uh because i mean this see these things go so deep you know it's not about just changing our ideas about things right. the entire economic and physical infrastructure is built around the single family home and our work environment too um and and our economy it's very fragmented it's very atomic wow. um you you don't need the help and cooperation of the people that you interact with socially in order to procure the necessities of life right imagine if we were hunter gatherers and uh, as men and this is true of most hunter gatherer societies the men did the hunting yeah like we're going out together uh, on a hunting expedition and it's not like like this whole thing about making yourself vulnerable really it's about allowing yourself to be seen mm. and allowing and therefore being able to see yourself and not pretend to mm. yourself about yourself mm. in a traditional culture 
you are seen because right. these are the people you've grown up with your entire life. Right. They 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 know you, they know you from the inside out. Yeah. Yep, through and through. And they knew your father and your grandfather. Yeah. You know, like like we are held in a matrix of relationship. Yeah. Allows us to know who we are. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, you have to open up to somebody. Mm. That's that's already a given. And maybe there's further levels of it, mm. um, of of knowing yourself as you grow through life. But there you are in the hunting party. And you don't have to like contrive some situation, some team building exercise. Like you're actually depending on each other. Right. And the gifts of every man are important. Maybe mm. one's a better, you know, better with the spear, one's a better tracker, you know, one is um, singing the songs, the uh, ritual songs at the right time. I mean, it's a whole, it's, it's a, Co cohesive mm. society we don't have any of that no nah. and you can't just manufacture it out of thin air outside of our cultural context context mm. by having you know a weekend workshop or something like that i mean we're really talking about rebuilding culture from the ground up yeah and in the context of of a global distribution of labor where i mean this is related to the dependency thing like if you want something, essentially you, you know, go to Amazon or whatever and you click a button and it comes to you. Yeah, it's right. very much like asking mom and dad for something. I yeah. mean, yeah, you have to make the money and stuff, but the things you do to make the money are utterly disconnected from the process by which the bag of corn chips arrives at your doorstep. Exactly, yeah. And that didn't used to be true. You know, yeah. you used to have to plant corn and harvest it and grind it and all that kind of stuff. Either you or somebody who you saw doing that, who was intimately connected with you. So a lot of the dysfunction in masculinity and our lack of maturity and manhood is part of a vast cultural context yeah. that you cannot undo um, in just one dimension. So sure. it has to go along with all of it. Mm. And, and we're, we're deep, deep, deep in this territory of separation. Mm. And the walk back is a long, long walk. Mm. But there is a walk back. And we can, knowing how deeply lost we are, we become attuned to the way. Yeah. And we, we become attracted to things that we recognize as part of the healing mm -hmm. of, uh, in every dimension, part of the mm -hmm. healing of masculinity, for example. Mm. And, and so part of it, you know, in, in these men's groups, um, if we take into it, it's not so much, I'm gonna allow myself to be vulnerable. Like why? Why do you wanna be vulnerable? Mm. Like part of masculinity is, is focus on a goal right with this what is the actual goal? what is the actual goal mm. let's be honest with ourselves that's mm. actually a good start mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe the goal is i want to stop pretending 
Yeah, and also I'm remembering what you said earlier about going beyond or discovering your limitations. First of all, discovering your limits and then going beyond them. Yeah. Because when you, that's a good question you ask, you know, why be vulnerable? And this is something men can do for each other. Yeah. Okay. They can refuse to comply with your belief in your own limitations. Exactly. It's like that guy, fix it. Mm. Fix it. Don't ask me to do it. Where does that come from? That comes from knowing that you can fix it. Mm -hmm. my, my high school track coach offered a bit of this. You know, it's like, okay, boys, we're going to do repeat, you know, repeat quarters, you know, 10, 10 quarters, 65 seconds. I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> well, he knew better than I, than I did what I could do. He yeah, yeah. put me in a situation where I discovered capacities beyond what I knew. Yeah, like that, and that is a classic um, form of masculine mentorship. Mm. You know, it's not it's not like indulgent, right? And uh, and it's um, yeah, I'm struck by the example with the the school teacher there. Actually, what flashed in my mind was a a, a physical education teacher I had who we were all very afraid of. <laughs> yeah. you know this was in a boys school uh, but and I remember um you know we're doing laps you know running running around the track or whatever you know and I remember I was uh I, I, I was insisting I had a cold you know and I was just being a wimp you know and he basically comes out with a cricket bat you know and whacks me around the back of the legs and get keep going you know like snap out of it you know yeah and <laughs> And then I was just flashing on a on a on a community I was a part of. You know, we got into this thing. The men we'd all get together once a month on a Sunday, and we'd do these push-up marathons. Uh -huh. And and the idea was you could rest, but you couldn't. You had to stay on your feet and hands. You know, you couldn't lie, put your body yeah. on the floor. So you do some push-ups and then rest for a bit. You know, and we all went way way beyond. Right whatever we possibly thought we could do you know i've also been a, a marathon runner in the past and the, there's uh there's there's something about this you know because the, there's the drive to achieve you know and therefore dominate and can and compete which has its um when it's out of touch with the wider picture which we were talking about earlier but there's also something really life affirming and, and uh you know so important in terms of bringing real courage online when men really go beyond their limits and are pushed beyond their limits right. together. And I think there's something about it when it happens with other men and by other men, because yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a men intuitively know, you know, Oh no, you can go further or you can go beyond right. that. Even if they haven't done it themselves, you know, and then one person does it and it brings something forth in the other. And, um, so it's really quite, yeah, it's quite something to discover that there's a healthy competition, you know, right? that actually leads to a deeper community. Yeah, let's not be too quick to throw out everything from, you know, from our legacy, mm. from the old society. Mm. Uh, these things, as I said before, they may have become distorted, but they're coming from an authentic place and they have a long history. Mm. I want to say a little bit more about my coach, just another little an anecdote that illustrates this. Um, so his name was Mr. Horner. Hmm. 
uh, rest his soul. <laughs> um, <coughs> one time a promising athlete comes to the workout, you know, Todd, his name was, and um, Todd's got some talent, you know, but he's not in shape, you know, I mean, and we're doing repeat quarters. And what does that mean? Repeat quarters? Okay, you do your one lap, one lap run, you know, at a certain time. And then you rest for half a lap or a lap, usually half a lap, and then you do another one. Sure. And then you do another one until the coach tells you that you've done enough. <laughs> usually I'll tell you at the beginning and how fast you have to do each one. And if you don't make the time, it doesn't count. I see. Okay, so, <laughs> so, okay, so Todd, after like four or five of these, he's had it. Mm. He's like, you know, this is his first day of practice. Mr. Horner, I quit. Mm. And Mr. Horner says, oh, no, you don't. Not until you finish these quarters. <laughs> <laughs> so he like literally wouldn't let him now did he actually use physical force to make him run around the track no right but he created a field of expectation mm -hmm. that as a young man todd could not shy away from right he was speaking to the part of him that wants to be a man right and is not sadistic yeah. Although sometimes we suspected Mr. Horner of sadism, <laughs> but it's actually not sadistic. Yeah. It would only be sadistic if you knew he couldn't do it. And you made him try anyway. Yeah, or you just in hurt, you know, you right. wanted to hurt somebody. But, but what he wanted, I mean, in his way, he loved us and he yeah. wanted to see us fulfill our potential. Yeah. And he, it, it pained him to see us malingering or, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves or, um, uh, indulging in our supposed weakness. Like yeah. he just would not put up with that. And that's something, you know, so a mentor or a coach figure can do that for us. And then as we mature, then we, then we also do that for each other. Mm -hmm. So competition is, 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 is similar. Healthy competition, it's a way to reveal to ourselves um, our strengths and weaknesses and like, you know, you're in a competition, you're like, part of it is that you try your hardest, right? Take it seriously, even though on some level, you know, it's a game. Mm. You take it seriously. Because the question is, what am I capable of? Mm -hmm. What am I not capable of? What mm -hmm. if like, like, suppose, you know, I, I decide that I want to um, be a world class uh, discus thrower. Mm. I could I could lift as many weights as I want and train as much as I want, but there's no way that I would ever come close to Jay Kislak, who was <laughs> the best discus thrower on our track team. I mean, and there's if he decided he was going to be a miler, there is no way that he would ever come close to me in the mile. Right. Like, competition can show us that. It can mm. free us of our delusions about ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It shows us the honest truth. Mm -hmm. And that is also what we can do for each other as men in a men's circle in a men's group. Mm. It's we refuse to put up with each other's shit. Mm -hmm. And it's not out of domination of each other. And I'm going to call you on that. It's an act of service to each other. Exactly. Because I know that you don't want to be mired in your own bullshit either. Mm. And I'm going to, I'm, and I and we, the circle, we're going to call you into responsibility. Mm. 
we're not going to accept your excuses exactly. because they are lies. Yeah. We, we see you as beyond what your excuses are telling you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're really, you're really conveying it very powerfully. I, it, it's something about the essence of real brotherhood is it's the initiation, you know, that you brought up at the beginning, you know, the initiation of like, you know, you are, you are going to go beyond this limit, you know, and we are here to, to hold you, you know, but not to do it for you. Yeah. But not to do it for you. And, uh, and you, you know, you have to walk through the fire actually in in terms of indigenous, um, uh, dimensions, you know, one thing we always do on our men's retreat is a, a Temescal and, um, you know, sweat lodge. And what something we've done before is the fire walk. Yeah. And re- but really, you know, really bringing an intention to that, like, okay, so what am I going to burn up, you know, as I walk over these coals? What am I, what are my fears, you know? And so, yeah, we've definitely found that some, some of those more, um, you know, ceremonial, archetypes they can be they can be inhabited by modern western man with with mm-hmm. a with real power you know and yes and also like being in a sweat lodge together is completely pitch dark you know it's it's super hot you know sometimes people just like all they want to do is get out of there you know yeah <laughs> it's like no you've got to hang in there with your brothers and also the physical contact i think that's another dimension is because we live in such a kind of well, on the one hand, you've got the whole kind of gender bending going on, but then you've got the homophobia uh, that a lot right. of men have in terms of experiencing any kind of real um, physical affection. Allow yourself to be physically held by another man. Right. Because everything's been sexualized. Yeah. You know, when I, I, I spent um, a lot of my young adulthood in Taiwan, first time I went there, you know, I see men walking arm in arm a lot. You know, and I'm like, wow, gosh, a lot of gay people here. But no, they weren't gay at all. They were affectionate to each yeah. other. In yeah. fact, and, and they didn't have like homophobia. Actually, it isn't really the root, root of it isn't fear of gay people. It's actually fear that oneself yeah. is gay. Right. And it is, you know, therefore, um, a, a, um, unclarity in, in your own masculinity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying that, that, you know, if you are a gay man, then you're not masculine. Mm. Um, I mean, I do think this is a dimension of masculinity, but, the, but, but, you know, I mean, and I'm speaking as someone who's, you know, pretty, pretty much hundred percent straight, but, you know, still the, um, the, the, yeah, like the, so the sexualization of all touch. Yeah, like it, it it's part of the um, like the simplification of the world into these like rigid categories. Mm. Um, I mean, there's so much more. I mean, this goes way beyond you know issues of masculinity. I, um, but yeah, like. I'm not sure exactly what I want to say about it, but 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 I'm just I'm just resonating. Well, I've got I've got a thought to bring to Jackson here, which is bringing something in you brought you 
brought up earlier about the whole thing of the dependency, you know, on, on the on the mother or the great mother or, you know, men who are longing for that kind of, well, because we're all, we're, you know, everyone is longing for love, you know, but longing for that, looking for it in the feminine and therefore looking for it in our relationships with women, whether they're our sexual partners or just friendships. And uh, this was definitely my case. And I think it's the case with a lot of, you know, more so-called sensitive, spiritually interested men. You know, I, I, um, I had a big uh, reaction to most of the sort of what I regarded gross behavior of men, you know. So through my 20s, most of my close friendships or the, any of the relationships that went deeper than, you know, getting high and playing music or whatever we would do, it was with women, you know. Right. And then, uh, you know, and then, of course, one of the tricky things was the sexual dimension would get mixed up with that. Um, but I think in just to bring it back to what you what we were talking about in terms of this, how everything's been sexualized and yes, that I think a lot of men find this kind some kind of consolation or some kind of um, the you know there's there is this longing for love and uh, uh, but most but, but but because they're looking for it in women, and you know then of course there's the whole um sexualization of that of all relationships so you you have a, a woman friend who you you know you love deeply or intimate with you know you you know but you you're not necessarily wanting to be in a sexual relationship with her you know that's that's kind of dodgy territory yeah. and so I, and it was only when i really discovered uh became part of a men's group and discovered this kind of brotherhood you know that that um it was just such a relief it was just like wow i don't have to look for that um greater relational depth you know and uh, you know freedom to express affection yep. in women or only with women and it was such a such a liberation to, to find that with other men and that yeah and i and i think um it breaks something in terms of this whole yeah, childish um, dependency on one hand, and also the the, the unhealthy uh, polarity where you know we're looking to be completed by the other. So there's as a man, one's feeling a fundamental sense of look, I'm not really a man yet, or like you were saying earlier, even if you've got a running a company or whatever, on some level, men feel like I'm still a boy. But they're looking for that growing up process through their relationships with women. And yeah, that, that just gets very complicated, <laughs> especially right. when the women are doing the same thing from the other side. Yep. <laughs> We're in the thick of it, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, now I've just come back from this uh, thousand kilometer bike ride around North Portugal. And where I went is the more traditional areas where the traditional culture is still very strong and it there's something about it you know you feel this sense of contentment mm -hmm. you know in the people and and yeah the men all hang out together the women hang out doing doing their whatever they do the men are hanging out playing dominoes and you know superficially you could say oh you know that's just so old-fashioned but 
there's some you can feel that healthy sense of polarity and belonging you know and you get talking to people and it's like they've lived in this village their whole life and their grandfather mm -hmm. like you said i met one woman an old woman and she hasn't even seen the ocean you know wow and um so i think it's something about this cultural embeddedness that's that's only very recently and you know it's been it's just it's only been a what a century or so where we've been completely torn ourselves away from that context and it's all about nuclear families and yeah so um i like what you said about there is there is a way back and it's a long way back uh but we uh yeah, once we make room for that longing, then we do know, you know, what to do. Often life will bring us the opportunities to find that way back. It's a long way back and we don't have a map. No, exactly. But we can recognize the next step. Mm. Anyway, well, thanks a lot, Charles. My pleasure. Really to talk about this, really good to talk about this. So, um, yeah, wish you all the best and keep on keeping on with your your work, which uh, many, many people I know are very inspired by. Mm, thank you, Peter. And uh, yeah, thank you for doing your bit to um, bring into being the world, the better world we know in our hearts is possible. The, the phrase is the more beautiful world our hearts the know more is possible. The more beautiful world we know in our hearts is yeah. possible. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take so, care.